1: This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansbury Radio Network. This is James Altucher, back with the James Altucher Show, and I'm joined by Stanford professor Paul Oyer, author of Everything I Ever Needed to Know About Economics I Learned from Online Dating. Paul, how are
0: you? Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, Paul, are you are you done with online dating? Like you mentioned in the book that you kind of found, you know, someone to quote-unquote settle with. Uh, are, you, are you back
0: in the dating game or are you done? Uh, I'm done. I'm done. Well, I'm done for now, I hope. As long as she continues to put up with me, I'm done.
1: <laughs> that, that's good. Uh, so I'm really fascinated by this because I really resonated a lot with uh, aspects of your book. Like when I when I was divorced, uh, and probably I was a similar age to what you were, when you were divorced, I had to go through the whole online dating thing. And I really approached it almost from a game theory perspective where I wanted to kind of maximize my, my chances of quote unquote winning. And I had to figure out without the benefit of an economics PhD, I had to figure out what would increase my chances. And, uh, fortunately it worked out, but, uh, But I want want to talk about your book and all the different ideas and discoveries you made along the way while you were online dating. But maybe first, how did you get into the online dating thing? Like, what happened?
0: Well, I mean, I I, I split up, and I was looking for my next relationship. And I didn't quite sit down and say, okay, let me think about the economics of it, but as I would naturally as hopefully being a natural i mean a rational economic creature i thought to myself okay well where's a where's the best way to find what i'm looking for and for me at my age you know being i was almost 50 and um you know it's not like i was still in school so i had a lot of people that i ran into who were my age and single so my kids don't need online dating they have they run into people all the time but for me it it wasn't there wasn't a very thick market for single people around so online dating by the time I was looking had become a very good, uh, you know, fulfilling market in that there were lots of people out there. The stigma was gone and all sorts of things like that. So it was just a natural place for me to start. And I put my profile up. And along the way, I learned I got better and better at it. But <laughs> but, um, you know, and it ended up working out very well for me.
1: What does it I mean hated better.
0: Um, Well, so for me, it was better. The market was better than some of the alternatives because I don't really like things like, like I didn't want to go to singles bars and meet people that way. I wanted to sort of use my time efficiently. I was, you know, I was a parent. I had a very busy job. I had a lot of other things I wanted to do. But at the same time, finding my next relationship was an important thing as well. So I wanted to certainly make time for that. But but, in a manner that sort of befit where I was in my life at the time.
1: and and let's just let's just talk about like everybody goes into online dating with different objectives. Some people want to have sex with a different person every night. Some people want a long-term right. relationship. Some people want something in between, you know, where they're like kind of a serial monogamist, uh, so to speak. Right. so what what was your goal when you went into the online dating world?
0: Well, my goal was definitely another long term my next long term relationship so for that i i went to more traditional online dating sites uh match dot com I ended up meeting my girlfriend on j date but uh you're absolutely right the market is now i think segmenting. So in the old days, you really only had Match.com and a few others along those lines. But you now see the market segmenting, and you have things like Tinder, which are definitely more oriented, not necessarily to people who want to have sex with a different person every night, but people who um, are interested in just meeting people and hanging out for a while and maybe serial monogamy or however you, however they end up doing it. And then if it turns into a long-term relationship, that's great. And so, you know, the market, the online market is becoming more sophisticated, and, and I might add it's segmented in other ways. I mean, you have these, you have these um, dating sites for married people to hook up.
1: Right. You know, um, AshleyMadison.com, which is kind of a site uh, that married people use to cheat on each other, that yes. site got so popular that in New York, there, uh, there's a four-and-a-half or five-star hotel, the Parker Meridian, that actually rents now by the hour uh, because, simply because of <laughs> AshleyMadison.com. <laughs> and I guess combined with your idea of signaling. So, like, obviously you don't need a five-star hotel if you're going to hook up for an hour, but the men are signaling they have a lot of money by using that hotel versus, you know, a holiday inn or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent application. <laughs> a sad but excellent application of the idea of signaling to this world.
1: Now, I, I just want to mention, I met. I was using all the dating sites. I mean, I, I probably put in three to five hours a day. And I was using, I was viewing it almost as like a full-time job when I was doing online dating. And ultimately it was J-Date that um, allowed me to meet uh, what became my girlfriend and then, and then she's now my wife. And the funny right. thing is she's not Jewish. So, right. uh, but she she told her friend who was Irish, she, my, my wife is from Argentina, and she told her friend mm-hmm. who was Irish that she wanted to meet uh, in New York City a Jewish guy with glasses so the, the person said her friend said well you have to use J-Date and my wife Claudia said well don't you need to be um, Jewish to use J-Date and her friend said no just sign up for J-Date and I was I was lucky because I was I saw her profile like the day she signed up
0: well yeah I mean that's and I met my girlfriend on J-Date too and and the reason so your story and mine are similar in the following way I don't care at all about whether my girlfriend is Jewish or not. um I'm Jewish, so that's why I went on j day but um i'm I am Jewish, but I could care less whether my girlfriend is Jewish, but it just is a very big thick market for sort of college educated smart uh people I mean that they, they you know there that tends to be a pretty big market at least here in the Bay Area and there in New York City. Those are where there are substantial Jewish populations, that's a good place to meet people. And, you know, so it worked out well for me, even though I don't care about Jews. Now, there are these other sites like Christian Mingle, which are also very big, thick markets. But, of course, the people there really care that the other person is Christian.
1: Well, it's funny because I would say on J-Day 2, the competition is... Because you're always competing. Because the girl could... uh, Or the guy could... uh, you know, B is looking at many profiles and you have to make your profile stand out. So on J-Date, at least you're not up against, you know, these seven foot tall, like super athletes from, right. you know, other sites. Like we all know the average Jewish guy. I don't know how tall you are. I'm like five foot nine and I have glasses and curly black hair. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you're kind of already saying what you look like a little bit when you sign up for JDate.com.
0: Maybe this is why I did well on J-Date. Uh, even though I'm Jewish, my, I'm only half-Jewish, so I'm blonde, no glasses, and and a little bit taller than you. Ah, that, so you, you stand more. out. You
1: got uh, you a <laughs> unique feature. I didn't even put my picture on J-Date, so I had to deal with that. So, <laughs> no, I look you know, like... There's you a know, joke the, that Larry the Swedish guy There's a joke that Larry David does from his stand-up days. Uh, he says, um, you know what the problem with good looking people is everybody hates us
0: <laughs> that is so, good
1: and, and you know and Larry David actually would use that as his first joke because he knew if the audience didn't laugh at that then he was going to have a rough night so <laughs> that was his key right. but um, uh, so tell us tell us okay I'm, I'm newly divorced or separated or whatever you have it what should I be thinking when I go into the online dating game what, what are some of the suggestions you have
0: well, I have at the very at the very outset, I have two suggestions. One is choose a big market. So we talked about, you know, I went to J-Date, which doesn't seem like a big market, but around here for the type of person I'm looking for, it was a big market. So I'm I'm all in favor of picking big sites. You want Match.com, eHarmony, one of the larger sites, unless you have a very specific set of tastes. And you know that the people you are interested in has that same specific taste. So the only exceptions to what I just said are things like, you know, you want to go on an older person site if you're old and the other people you're looking for are old, or you want to go on a Christian Mingles if you're if you're very Christian oriented. But um, so go big is is the first step because you just want to put yourself in a position to meet a lot of people now. A very important part of what I just said, though, is if you're going to go on a big site, you have to rely on the site to be good at narrowing down the choices for you. So the beauty of a big site is you want lots of choice, but their software has to be, their algorithms have to be pretty good at helping pin down the small portion of people who you're going to be mutually appealing with. And I I feel like, you know, just as an aside, when I look into the future at what's going to make the dating sites successful going forward, I think the competition is going to be on the algorithm side. I think the the sites that are better at helping people find exactly the right person on their sites, that and sort of weeding out the people who are wires or whatever it is, that's going to be where the competition is in the future. The
1: well, you know, thing, you brought up... Uh, uh you know, an interesting point that you were separated when you went into online dating, and so was I. Even though Mm -hmm. I was all but divorced, ABD, uh, I I was technically (laughs) and legally separated, and statistically, that does not make you a good fit for anyone. So, for instance, I spent like a half hour filling out the eHarmony survey, which does have a pretty good algorithm for matching people, and then after that half hour, where I really put a lot of time, it might have been an hour, I put a lot of time into answering their survey questions, they let me do all of that and then at the end they said we can't let you join because you're separated and statistically it shows that separated people do not stand stay in long-term relationships
0: and so i had literally the exact same experience and i was very upset about it i went on he, he harmony because i had read in various books that their algorithm was supposed to be so good so i picked them first and i had exactly the same experience after a half hour um, i was told I was a certain personality test and then told, type and then told I couldn't use their site. It was very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I, but, I almost wanted to kind of go back in there and lie, but I also wanted to be honest <laughs> because, I, I, you know, you bring up some things in your book. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about your book first, and then I, I have some observations about it. So so what, what other uh, steps would you take? So you find well, the, a thick market. I think that's sort of obvious. But, Obviously you want to find a dating site that has a million people for you to narrow down as opposed to a site that has one person.
0: Right, but you also want – well, there are sites – you want to stay away from the niche sites unless unless it's a real deal breaker type niche, like Christian Mingles or something like that. You don't want to go on, my favorite one to make fun of is um, glutenfreedate.com. It just doesn't seem like something you want to narrow your market down that much. Oh, although the, you
1: went on veggiedate.com, right? Like I, re- I think well, I read that always- in your book.
0: Only, only to prove a point. I'm not even vegetarian. I just did it to look at the numbers and sort of prove a point for the discussion in the book. I didn't actually go on com. So the second the second piece of advice I have is is you have to when you set up your profile, you have to have somebody look it over with you. Somebody ideally who kind of knows you but doesn't know you knows you enough to help you, but not doesn't know you that well. And the reason for that is what you want to be looking for is. What is it that you're saying by what you're not saying? And this is a very, so the idea in economics of adverse selection or statistical discrimination, they're very important in terms of people know that you have hidden information about what type you are and so forth. And they're going to start inferring things by what you don't say, or based on what you say, they're going to infer other things. So we talked, you know. The example we just gave, the best example from my own life is this idea, and yours, too, is this business of being separated and the assumptions people make when you say you're separated. But, you know, also other things, like if you say on your website, if you say on your thing and you kind of think it's it's cute or something that you're really into NASCAR, well, people make strong assumptions about some a guy who's into NASCAR. Or if you say you like to go out and have a good time at night, you know, if you look over... Some people who are about 30-year-old men who are getting to the point where the women who are looking at them are much more interested in long-term relationships, if they talk too much about drinking or having fun on their on their uh, profile, that sets off red flags. So I think sort of getting somebody to tell you what you're saying by what you're not saying is a very important thing.
1: So what should you say?
0: There are certain things you should say because they are deal breakers and you want you know, there are certain characteristics I had, and most people are in this position, where if the other person has a problem with it, then you you, you want to get that out in the open right off the bat. So in my case, I mentioned on my profile quite prominently that I had teenage children, and you know that I spent a lot of time with them. Because if that was going to be a problem for someone, we shouldn't be wasting our time even having a drink or whatever. And by the same token, I have a big, badly behaved dog. And so if somebody found that very off-putting, you know, I wanted them to know about it because why waste our time? So those are some of the some the things you should say are the things that that you really do want to screen on very carefully. The rest is just you need to put your best foot forward. Is what it comes down to. I mean, it's all marketing and advertising it's, at a certain level. It goes beyond economics.
1: So, so uh, again, though, like, how do I make my profile stand out? Like, I want people to like me. So I want, I want. Beautiful women, or smart women, or whatever, to 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 like me. What should I say?
0: That's a good question. I, I, you know, you just gotta sort of. Again, so the first put thing is you should be forward. honest.
1: And here are the big obstacles: separated right. kids, dog. But well, now I want to say some positive not- stuff. Not
0: honest, but not too honest. (laughs) So I, I think you have to sort of think about what's different about yourself and make that more prominent. I don't think I was that good at this part, figuring out how to make people attracted to me. I think I was better at the other part, which was if I saw somebody I was attracted to, how do I get that person to respond to my message? And that's where I think a little bit of economics, again, comes back into it. So this idea of signaling is helpful. When you think about how do I, when I send a message to a woman, how do I make her believe that I, you know, that I'm not sent, that I've really thought this through, that she's not just one of 100 people who I've written to and said, "Hey, hey babe, you're hot, let's get together" or whatever. And so I think when when crafting a message to somebody that you want to meet, you should think carefully about how can you get that person's attention? Right. So so just being smart about reading through their profile and thinking just for one minute about, hey, where's the connection point here? And how can I get that in a short but clearly tailored email that gets their attention? That can be very valuable.
1: So and what would you do?
0: Well, just simple things like saying, bringing back Larry David, oh, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, too. And then sort of rather than just saying something that generic, add it, that just at least shows you've paid attention to their profile, but then add my favorite episode was the one with the Holocaust, you know, with the survivor mix-up or whatever it is. Do you remember that episode? It was so funny, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So saying something along those lines. I mean, it's, it. I found it very interesting. It is hard to say something to stand out. So, you know, your first question, how do I make my – I I found that very hard and I think most people do too. And I think just sort of laying it out there in a way that you hopefully find something that catches the right person's attention is important. Because I mean, think of one a great example of this is I know a bunch of people who were stymied and like almost gave up online dating in the first minute because they ask you to come up with a um uh, a username. And Everybody had the same a lot of people had the same experience I had, which was you somehow think this that you're going to have some great username that's going to be killer and get everybody's attention, but you don't it's almost impossible to come up with something really noteworthy that you're excited about, and by the same token, putting on your own profile something that's going to really stand out and draw attention without making you look like a jerk it's very hard, so I think you know that that part. Anyway, economics can't tell you how to do that. Maybe some uh, marketing people can.
1: Well, I think they're related, though, because, for instance, by you putting, um, you, you know, separated kids, dog, yeah. that's actually a very strong marketing technique because you know there, there's a concept in 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 direct marketing or copywriting to have a long sales letter. Because you would think that it's the opposite would work that you're going to get people 's attention better if you have a short sales letter, but the reality right. is you want to weed out all of the immediate nos so that you could then start focusing on the people who are going to say yes, so a lot yeah. of the economics is similar to marketing, which makes sense because they're both about ultimately economy and transactions and so on
0: right so no I agree with so with, so with, with that. your letters
1: you, you talk you have a chapter in your book about signaling and how you know men have to signal that they look good and that they're attractive and women basically have to signal that they look good which ultimately comes from their photo and so, so for a man it's like you say they, the name doesn't matter so much you have to basically signal um, you know, and, and because they can see what you look like from the photo uh, you have to basically signal that you have a good responsible job and that you make money and you make a living and, and maybe you are doing really well so what are the best ways to signal that if you're kind of like on the fence
0: yeah well, this is the thing that's very hard unfortunately, the signaling that you have a lot of money is very difficult at least until the first date. So I always joke on the first date you should um you know burn a big pile of cash because <laughs> that shows you really have money, but even even an economist realizes that's a, that's not actually a good suggestion yeah because, um, a,
1: because it, a woman might think you're bad with money if you just burn money and, th- and that's <laughs> even more anxiety producing than than demonstrating that you have a lot of money
0: and what if And what if she 's an environmentalist? right? The carbon yes. footprint of burning a big pile of money is very problematic right. <laughs> no, Exactly. I, so I th- the The simple answer to this question is it's it 's almost impossible to credibly signal that you have a lot of money before you meet the person and so i 've often said that the websites themselves could help you out here um, so one thing you know i don 't know if anybody if any of the websites would find this to be a good idea. There's probably some reason why it's crazy, but I I often thought that the websites could help people signal by allowing you to donate money to a charitable organization on behalf of the person to whom you're sending a message. So suppose you got a message that, that's a fantastic that, idea. So, so suppose you're a woman and you get a message and it says, let's just, you know, Jim423, let's just say that's your username, uh, has sent you this message. And, you're, and, and he's also sent $10 to the American Heart Association or to the American Cancer Society or, you know, to the NRA, if that's what you want it to signal, or to the, you know, Planned Parenthood or whatever it is. I feel like that would sort. Now, ten dollars isn't going to show you're rich, but it sort of does because nobody throws around ten dollars on just the off chance that somebody's going to read their email unless they have a fair amount of money. You could do a right. hundred dollars. You can do whatever.
1: What about what about bidding for placement? Like, how come no dating sites allow you to do what Google does, which is sort of bid for higher? Um, You know, uh, let's say I want to buy certain keywords in people's profile. Like, I want to buy the keyword blonde. So and I want to appear in their searches uh, whenever they search for guys. Uh, There there should be something like that.
0: Well, yeah, and I could, of course, economists like to, to solve everything through auctions. And so my natural inclination is to think that's a good idea. Now, having said that, you then get into... There's an economist I refer to a lot in the book named Al Roth. He's now my colleague here at Stanford, and uh, he has he's sort of dealt with this. He he's considered this, and as he points out, there are certain markets where using money is considered what he terms repugnant. So an example is kidney donations, or uh, you know moving up the queue in terms of getting an organ transplant or something like that. And this is a market where I think. You might uh, another place where there's a problem with this is, so for example, here at the Stanford Business School, we have a few electives that are just wildly oversubscribed, and every student wants to get into them and A bunch of us have always said, "Well, why don't we just let people bid money on getting into these electives and that's considered unfair or repugnant or whatever term you want to use and i guess I guess the same would happen in terms of bidding for love it's just a place where when you when you start putting money in it gets associated with prostitution or some anything that's sufficiently non-romantic that that I just don't think it would work.
1: So again, I what's another way it, to signal that you have money?
0: Well, unless they're going to well, follow and I, my And I'm other- saying
1: have money not because everybody's greedy and stuff, but you, you suggest in your book this is something that um, people look for. They want to know, again, whether you have a stable job or or, or that you're rich. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean... There's no question that women are attracted on average, not all women by any means, that. Um, sorry, uh, but on average, women find men more attractive if they make more money. I mean, the evidence on that is overwhelming. So, um, yeah, I think. I I think uh it's very hard to signal unless. So another another thing you the websites could do for you here by the way is when you say of course anybody can check the box saying they make $100,000 or more or something like that. So the websites could help here if they um if they started doing verification of people's information. So in China on there's uh a, the biggest website in China in order to be on it the biggest dating site in China, you have to verify some of your information, your height, your age, some of this other stuff through government documents. And I, I I don't know if it's them or the site. There's a site in Korea, too. One of them tries to verify your income as well. So, you know, if match.com said starting tomorrow, we're going to when you put your instead of checking a box for income, you have to send us your W-2 or your um, 1040 from last year. That would make your claims about your income a lot more credible.
1: I see. So again, you're suggesting like a dating site that where it's not so blatant like, oh, here's some money, but it's the, the dating site itself kind of, you, you outsource your signaling to the
0: dating site. Exactly. Exactly. Often for signaling to work, we need a third party to come in and handle it for us. And, what and that's what not, if I, that's what if
1: many- I wanted the signal... By totally standing out my profile. So for instance, what if I list all of the bad things about me? Like I just completely go over the top. Like I failed at five businesses. I'm divorced (laughs) because I was a horrible husband. Uh, you know, my eyesight is 23,000. I'm going to probably go blind. Um, Mm -hmm
0: you know I like to just read all
1: day and not really go out at all like what if you do something that really stands out then then the girls either gonna think okay this is really honest so I kinda like this guy cuz he's a little bit funny or it's like you're saying there's clearly he's so confident in himself that there must be some hidden information that's just amazing else he wouldn't like say this stuff and I think there is some evidence that if people write like a completely obscenely bad profile they do get more messages than people who write like an average profile
0: that could be. Uh, I didn't try that strategy because I don't think I would have been attracted to the people who are attracted to that. But having said that, it's an interest. standing out is – you're right. I mean, that's that does help you stand out. There is the famous case of the woman who wrote this profile um, – I can't remember her name – and she wrote an okay cupid profile in which she just was a horrible person she sort of made herself out to be shallow and racist and all that but she put up pictures of herself where she was incredibly hot and it was maybe surprising maybe not surprising she got tons of people who wanted to go out with her despite what she had to say
1: that's that's funny so but you know i think though with with Honestly, just with women, it's a little easier. They're going to get more messages than men are going to get in general. I mean, I don't yeah. know what studies have been done on this, but probably the average woman gets more messages than the average
0: man. Oh, oh, that's without a doubt. I mean, women are less likely to be the instigator in online relationships. That's for sure. The data are very clear on that as well.
1: Yeah, so... Um, all right, well, so what What else? So we, 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 we want to be in a thick market. We want to narrow down our choices. We want to signal um, that, you know, we're both good-looking and, you know, have either a stable job or have some money. Uh, what else should we consider
0: here? Well, then you need to start thinking about the fact that the other – that the profiles you're picking from and reading are not entirely accurate. So you need to accept that and and – Um, deal with it (laughs) because it's just a well, again, that's another empirical fact that's well known that people are shading the truth. And so you need to be somewhat skeptical and and be, um, which really doesn't matter too much until other than to say on your first date, you need to accept that you might get a negative surprise and want to call it off quickly. And then I think the final piece of advice I always give is, um, you know, once you've been dating somebody for a while, and you need to think about the fact that, well, you need to go into the whole process realizing that you're being naive if you sort of think the one is out there. So the perfect person for you doesn't exist and despite what we've seen in Hollywood movies and the like. And so from the outset, you need to start thinking about, well, what does what, what good enough mean to me? You know, and, and that'll change as you go through the process, of course. But at some point, you need to say, you know what? This person, if I kept searching for the rest of my life, I could probably find somebody who's better for me and who I'm a better fit with. But this person, given the constraints I have and so forth, is good enough. That's very unromantic, but it's the way the world works
1: right and so and so how do you how do you make that determination i mean
0: do you kind of that's a good question and it differs from person to person so when you're younger you should be more picky so you should be less you should be more reluctant to settle that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a long-term relationship when you're young it just means your standards for how good how good a fit the other person is should be very high when you're young and the reason for that is you're going to A, you're going to spend more time with that person because you're hopefully, if it works out, going to be with them for 50 years instead of 20 years or whatever uh, for somebody my age. That's number one. And number two is when you're young, you sort of still don't know fully your own preferences. So a little experimentation is useful for thinking about not just because you might find somebody better, but because you might find there's certain things about people that you didn't even realize appeal to you and, and you need a little more time to Figure that out. So, being pickier, you should get less. As you get older, you should get less picky. Is basically the um, the the takeaway there. The other thing is, some people. So you said, how would you know when you've reached that point? There's, you know, people differ for when they should reach that point. So when you think about it from to use to be a overly economics to use, to be overly rational economics type, I would just say, you know, you're trying to maximize your your utility, if you will, in terms of the life partner you're picking. And um, for some people, they're just more easily driven crazy by little problems. And so they have to be pickier because otherwise they're never going to be happy. And being lonely is better than being driven crazy by somebody who's not exactly perfect for them. Other people are... A little less uh, discriminating, if you will, and so those people should be more willing to settle down and then the other The other uh, thing to keep in mind is some people just really like the process of looking for a lifetime partner, and those people can keep looking they should hold a high standard because the process itself is fun for me that wasn 't true at all i i didn 't like first dates i didn 't like early Parts of relationships, I like, you know, having somebody I feel comfortable with on a regular basis. And so, as a result, I was a little less oriented towards keeping the process going than some other people might be who just enjoy the hunt for its own sake.
1: I I like what you say about cheap talk. So, so in other words, um, words themselves lose a little bit of value in online dating. So, if I say um, six feet... It turns out uh, a higher than average number of people say that they're six feet tall in online yeah. dating than reality. So not that many people are six feet tall, but if someone's like 5'10 or 5'11, they might say that they're six feet tall. So, so words yeah. lose their value, and that loses value for everybody. Because if I'm going to be honest and say I'm 5'9, someone might say, oh, he's probably really just like 5'6 or something. So, exactly. so it kind of ruins it for everyone. So you have to lie in order to just keep up with the Joneses.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, the right way to think about it. I hate. I would never tell you you should lie on your online profile, but I will remind you that other people, your competition is lying and that people are discounting what you say anyway.
1: You know, it, it reminds yeah. me of, I, I used to be in the hedge fund business, and so I would go out there and raise money, and I had a big problem because I would show my returns and they would say, well why should I invest with you when I've got this other fund that I'm invested in that's returning a solid 14% a year without a down month? And it only turned out two years later that they were invested in Bernie Madoff. But <laughs> at the time, who can compete with somebody who cheats all the time? So, so you know, that's why I'm wondering if the, the ideal profile is to go the other extreme, like, you know, to sort of say that, look, I'm not, I'm not even going to compete with the liars. I'm owning my own space here.
0: Like you said, you don't need to go back into the online dating world right now, but if you ever do, I suggest you run that experiment and see what happens because I'd be curious. It might very well – it might It might just work.
1: You know, the other now, thing if I, every, think once everybody I think is does it, it related becomes, is that I would increase my supply. So everything is supply versus demand. So I. Yep. that's why I spend three or four hours a day on online dating. I would send hundreds of messages out in order to incre- just simply increase my supply.
0: Yeah, yeah, but again, as long as you were, if were you sending them with any sort of thought towards a little personalization, or were you, was it just, hey, you look good, let's get together?
1: No, I was. Oh, I would personalize each one. That's why it would take so long per day. That, that's why it was literally a full-time job. So uh, I, I would really amazing. try to comment. I'll, I'll give you the example with, with the woman who became my la- wife. She said in her profile she was from Buenos Aires. So I said, oh, I've always wanted to go to Brazil. <laughs> And, of course, what is ours is Argentina? But I didn't know that. I'm horrible at geography. But that turned out to be, again, this kind of marketing technique. You know, she got through this negative thing with me, so it gave her this sort of cognitive bias to like me once she overcame this negative aspect that I didn't even know where she was from, although I was trying to comment on it.
0: (laughs) That is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the problem, of course, is... The 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 problem with your example is because you made it a full time job that gave you a lot of advantages relative to other people, and I don't know that that's I take it back that's not a problem but that that gave you a lot of advantages and that was nice for you um, it helped. You sort of get through to the next step much more quickly than people who are, you know, only able to do it as a part time sort of thing, like most people are, are doing. The um, But anyway, that's. <laughs> I do like the, the Buenos Aires thing.
1: Yeah, it, it turned out to work.
0: You could have looked that one up on the internet before you sent the message, but I guess it's a good thing that you didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, if I'm sending hundreds of messages, I can't. Like, I'll tell you, at one time. I um, met somebody through J-Day, and it turned out she was interested in Kabbalah. So I didn't know anything about this Kabbalah stuff, so I went to the bookstore. I got three books uh, by Yehuda Berg, and I literally read them that afternoon in order to prepare for the date. And so all I had to know was what were, like, the key words mentioned that were specific to the vocabulary of these books. And then it seemed like within a 10-minute conversation that I was like an expert on this thing. (laughs) Now, of course, that was being kind of intellectually dishonest, but I kind of wanted to get through. uh, I wanted to appear attractive first. I didn't have enough confidence in myself. Uh, It was only later that maybe after meeting someone that I developed confidence. What is Kabbalah? Kabbalah is like this sort of uh, mystical sect within Judaism. And, you know, like Madonna is into it. A lot of Hollywood type people are into it. Um, But it's probably mostly BS. I don't even know. So the guy was a janitor and then he made himself a Kabbalah expert and wrote all these books. So nothing against janitors, but probably they're not Kabbalah experts. And they're not rabbis. He started calling himself a rabbi.
0: I see. I see.
1: <laughs> well, what about this idea? For so, I, I want to tell you. Like, I'm a. I, I've been an expert on dating services for years. So, I knew the guy who started uh, Match.com. I tried to actually buy a very popular dating service back in 1999 uh, called Matchmaker.com. And in 2009, I started a dating service um, called 140Love.com, and it was a dating site built on top of. Twitter so this way somebody Mm -hmm. wouldn't have to write their profile you could see their Twitter feed and obviously Uh the problem there was which you bring up early on is that people sort of want anonymity on a dating site they don't want to reveal who they are so fast so that that site uh, failed completely but like what would you suggest to somebody who's starting a dating site right now
0: well so I would like I said before I think the if you have an algorithm for getting the right people matched to the right other people then I think that's a form of uh, an, a competitive advantage that you can uh, come up with. Now, you know, that's a big if, so I don't know exactly how you do that. Um, so if you can, if there's some way, some advance to be had there, I think that is where the money is in the future. I think trying to get, trying to be innovative with some of these signaling ideas can be useful. The idea we talked about before about verifying incomes and heights and things like that, that could be useful for a website, but on the other hand, I think dating sites are choosing not to do that, and I think because though that would be very valuable, it's not quite cost effective, at least not here in the U.S. If you think about the um, business model of a dating site, it's very much a fixed cost. You just set up your website and and uh, then... That's it. You know, scaling the business is very easy because it's just adding another user. Maybe you buy another server at some point, but you really don't need to do a lot of additional work. Whereas if you have to verify each user's income or something like that, then it changes the business from a fixed cost to a variable cost business. So I think that the verification ideas, if you can think about if a website can come up with a way to automate that more, then I think that's also a possible place to go forward. Well, now, well I'll,
1: t- I'll tell you how people can do that. So, yeah. so everybody, uses to some, everybody uses Twitter, or most people do, yeah. or, or they use Facebook, or they use LinkedIn, or they use some kind of URL shortening service like Bitly. And I'm sure yeah. if you look at all the billions and billions of pieces of data that are produced every, every day, there's some correlation between the type of URLs you short or the type of tweets you do or the type of language you use in your Facebook updates that is correlated with income and wealth. And I yeah. bet if you do some sort of automated thing where you look, you analyze, you do this big data approach where you analyze someone's Twitter output, uh, you could probably correlate that with with income.
0: So I think that there's probably some truth to that. And then the question is, do people start gaming their Twitter income? I mean their Twitter feed to to respond to that, or do they keep two Twitter feeds? One that's kind of more public and associated with their name, and the other that they associate with their dating profile to try to have different incomes. I mean different different things. So you have to worry about the the gaming about people being able to play games with these things. But I do agree with you, sort of a uh, thinking. I mean, thinking the way you were just thinking is a good way to go if you can make sure that you're following the person's actual Twitter feed and actual um, whatever accounts.
1: Now, here's another approach. What if I sign up for a service that um, uh, advertises my profile on Google, Facebook, and other sites? So then uh, people only see my profile if I'm kind of, all over the place, which means I put more money into the system. So, this is not this egregious display of money, but essentially, my profile only gets exposed. And, and they'll get, they'll, uh, so, so I'm going to target people who share my interests. So, I can pick on Google and Facebook what kind of people I'm targeting. Like, let's say everybody, uh, I, let's say I really love Oprah. And so, I'm going to target everyone who loves Oprah. And, uh, now you'll, when you go on Facebook, you'll see my, if you're, if you like Oprah, you'll also see my profile. So there's no destination site like a match.com, but my profile, my dating profile is on Facebook, Google, and so on. I wonder if there's a business model there somehow.
0: Yeah. No, I – so it's sort of in the background, anybody who's – you can opt in and anybody who's willing to have their data looked at for potential matching with other people would get some suggestions anonymized from – by just comparing Facebook accounts and that sort of thing. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: No, I'm suggesting that I actually give the service money and I say, here's all of my interests, and then they construct – Automatically, uh, uh. Google Ads and Facebook Ads for me. So now, if you're a woman who shares my interests, then when you log on to Facebook, you're going to see my profile on the right, just as an ad, and it's going to say, you know, James Altucher would would potentially like to date you. Here's what he's interested in. Click here if you want to uh, send him a note. So now there's no destination site. Like I don't go to if I'm a woman, I don't go to Match.com to find my true love. I just go to Facebook or Google, and whoever's spending more money. Uh, I'm more likely to see.
0: So that's a good idea. I could see that working. Now, the um, the question is whether that could ever be cost-effective enough. That is relative, because you're going to you have to be willing to pay. If you can target, if Google can get the ads targeted well enough, then I think that could actually work well. But I'm not going to be willing to pay to blast an ad of myself to, you know, unless I'm sure that a high percentage of the people whose eyeballs are getting on that are single women who would be remotely potentially attractive to me. So I think if you right. can get that that algorithm down, that might that could work very well. And it's just maybe it's just maybe AdSense or whatever it is is already sort of good enough at that that you could do it.
1: Yeah, targeting That's is it. getting better and better. So eventually yeah. I wonder if there's going to be a need for dating sites because I still pay for the dating sites, and so, you know, for many of them at least. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of paying for a dating site, I'd rather spend like $100 for a week's worth of ads or a month's worth of ads. Um, and look, by spending $100, again, I'm signaling that I'm not just doing the $20 a month for right. Match.com exactly. or
0: whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So so, I, so now let's that, say I meet somebody and I'm on the date.
1: What kind of signaling can I do there other than, as you say, burn money?
0: Well, you know, show up in a fancy car or whatnot. Of course, you know, the idea of burning burning money and showing up in a fancy car, those things can backfire. Because on the one hand, you want to show people you make money. On the other hand, often doing so in the standard way you might do that, you also might show them you're a jackass. <laughs> So you have to be careful about these. So, things. so you have
1: to do more subtle stuff. And you know, it's interesting. I had this conversation with Tucker Max on the very first podcast we did. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He wrote uh, the best-selling book. I hope they serve beer in hell. Uh, it's uh-huh. sold two million copies. It's about his experiences dating. And he said the most important thing you can do when you show up for the date is wear leather shoes because <laughs> that's not. It's not obvious bragging, but women notice shoes. So if you're just wearing like some you know, like Crocs or whatever, then the woman knows right away you're 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 not good enough for her. Now, I'm not saying this about all women and I'm not saying some blanket statement. It's like a subconscious thing too. He did this research with uh Jeff Miller who's written books about kind of like the evolution of mating and so on. Uh so there there is some interesting research out there.
0: I I love this idea, and it's, of course, I probably showed up in sneakers 80% of the time on a first date, so I feel a little, <laughs> I'm questioning my my uh, strategy from the past.
1: Well, well I don't again, think though, that might be the adverse question. You're kind of getting rid of all the objections first, you know, which is an important copywriting technique.
0: <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's not a terrible idea. I The idea that women do notice shoes, I don't... Yeah, that doesn't sound crazy to me, and, and I probably put way less thought into my footwear on dates than I probably should have. <laughs> That's an excellent point. I like that. Somebody told me, so this gets outside economics, and so I have no idea. My All my expertise is gone at this point. Somebody suggested to me that you want to hold back a little bit of stuff from your profile that would make you attractive and that you sort of reveal on your first date. And because you want to sort of have a positive surprise on the first date. So um, for me, I never mentioned that I was a Stanford professor on my profile. And um, because, you know, for some people, that wasn't an attractive thing. But for a lot of people, for a lot of people, it is. And so yes, I would Stanford
1: a hold- professor. That's hot.
0: <laughs> right, so I would hold that back and then you know mention it, and then that would become more apparent when we actually went out and My logic there, which is completely not based on anything I know anything about, was that you know this would help make a somehow a positive first impression when we actually met. I don't know whether that worked or not. My my girlfriend is also a Stanford professor, so it probably wasn't all that impressive to her.
1: You're a Stanford professor, too? That's that's probably how she reacted. Exactly.
0: And I think we'd had enough email exchange that we already knew that by the time we actually met, so it wasn't a surprise on the date anyway.
1: So on on my first date with Claudia, I, I did use the positive surprise technique. I told her how when I was 13 years old, I would practice... Uh astral projection, so I could invisibly go into girls rooms while they were undressing and watch them undress and uh i re- i did that was my reveal on the first date, which unfortunately also did not turn Claudia off, although that would have disgusted most other people
0: <laughs> that was a good test,
1: yes. So, um, you know, it's interesting, though. She had a lot of experiences where she would cut out anybody who would lie. So if somebody said they were 55 but they turned out to be 63, she would not yeah. uh, go on a second date with them. Or if someone tried to neg her, you know that concept of negging in the pickup world?
0: No, I don't it, know this it, concept.
1: So, so, so the pickup world is this huge kind of world of how you should uh, – uh, approach uh, women, basically. And one of the concepts uh, is uh, uh, that you very slightly put them down to put them a uh, girl on the defensive. Now, I don't agree with this approach. I, I think it's a, a way only to find people who don't have a lot of self-esteem. So, right. but apparently, it does work. And so, Claudia, if anybody tried to neg her at all, uh, like, put her down in any way, like, on the first date or before the first yeah. date, they were immediately eliminated.
0: Yeah, I think I I'm with her. I think that was a good call on her part.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think what else worked for me. I, really, the biggest thing was quantity, like quantity, even versus quality. So, because you don't really know about somebody from their
0: profile, you don't really I'm, know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's I think there's something to that. And again, I think if the if the software can figure out how to make it so that the quality, so that you will have a better sense before you meet then I think that you can get around that in the future people won't have to focus as much on quantity as, as you had to. But right. right, although now, I, think- I
1: was in favor of no algorithm because I knew that I was able to – I mean, I was unemployed at the time. So I knew right. I was able to get more quantity than my right. competition. So that would basically increase my value. I mean, for me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Like the core of economics is supply and demand. So all of these things you're saying are ways to manipulate supply and demand uh, without putting in the time. So signaling allows you to whittle down the time you put in because you're signaling that you're in limited... You're you're a person who's in limited supply. So, So you create urgency on their side. Whereas I... Didn't necessarily create urgency on their side, but I increased my supply to a huge amount, so that there would still be demand
0: yeah, and that makes the other the other important supply and demand point so that's an excellent point. I think the way you put that that you sort of made sure you put yourself in big supply, which is a good way to do well. The other thing was you had something going for you that I didn't quite have as much, but to some degree you you live in the New York area, correct? Yes. And you were in your 40s when you were online dating.
1: Right. So so Jewish, 40, and single
0: in New York City is a win. And male. And male. And male, yes. Right. And heterosexual. And so all of those things in New York City and Washington, D.C., yeah, I mean— Time was also on your side, right? As as you get into your 40s and beyond, the older you get, the more the women get to be in supply relative to the men. And so men become in a much better position to be choosy and to be, you know, in a better position to find somebody. Um, the numbers just work that way. There's no getting around it. And, and New York City, for some reason, is a very female-oriented market, unlike the Bay Area here, which is a little more uh, male-oriented. What does that mean? So, so it's harder for a man in the Bay Area. Harder, it's you know, still once you're in your 40s and 50s, the numbers start tilting in the benefit in the favor of the men. But yes, compared to New York City, there are more single men here in the Bay Area than than in New York City as a proportion. So women are in larger supply in New York City as as far as the market goes relative to, uh, the Bay Area. Now, I don't, oh, you know, that's go probably ahead. got to do with, the the technology orientation of the market here and that sort of stuff.
1: I, I love in your book how you put it that, uh, that loneliness is basically romantic unemployment. I think that's a very interesting way to look at loneliness. Uh, and then, so that, that leads to your, uh, you know, basically throughout the book you compare kind of the dating market to the job market and I thought that was a very interesting analogy.
0: Yeah, I mean it is, right? Being be, why do we have unemployment because people are picky about which job they're going to take and employers are picky about which employee they're going to choose. And why do we have lonely people out there because they're holding out for somebody better. And loneliness is better than, just like unemployment is better than having a really awful job. Loneliness is better than having a really awful relationship, but it really comes down to your lone, people are lonely because they're holding out, you know, a standard. And I'm not saying too high a standard, but it really comes down to, you know, choosiness versus loneliness are. It's an important trade-off.
1: Yeah, that that was interesting. And um, you know, I wonder though like like um kind of looking at the analogy in a different way from the view of the employer. Uh mm-hmm. an employer can outsource to other countries the the <laughs> jobs that they have open. Whereas that doesn't hold over in the dating market. Like if I'm a woman, um and a woman say in this case, in this analogy is the employer, a woman can't easily outsource you know to a robot or to uh to you know india uh their 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 job needs
0: yeah well not yet but uh we men should probably be worried that women will find a way to uh find a good substitute for us someday <laughs> be it in well, other countries or robots
1: and and what do you think about um you know and this is this is kind of related to the business model of, of dating sites does Facebook ultimately eliminate dating sites? Because essentially right now, many people have replaced using a dating site with Facebook. Like I just become friends with any, you know, uh, you know I use social proof by basically becoming friends with the pretty friends of my friends. So I know right. good people because my friends like them. And I, I, I try to become friends with as many attractive people who are friends of friends that I can. And that replaces a dating site for me.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that's true for a lot of people. That wouldn't have been true for me. Um, I think that it's a start, but first of all, a lot of my friends are not here, and a lot of my Facebook friends are not here in the Bay Area. Um, a lot of, and I always like, what I loved about online dating, that you can't get through the Facebook thing is, I love the fact that when I went on these dates I didn't know the person if it didn't work out it was not an issue. And dating friends of friends has certain advantages because you can learn more about the person and whether they'd be a fit before you bother meeting them, but it has the distinct disadvantage that it can be it can cause problems with your other with your friends and or, you know, it can just be weird or whatever in a way that the anonymity of an online dating site doesn't bring you.
1: So, so Paul. So, what your book uh, is everything I ever needed to know about economics. I learned from online dating. Is that really true? Is that every? You're you're a PhD in economics. Is it really true that everything you ever needed to know about economics you learned this way, or is this cheap talk?
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to go to all the way to saying cheap talk, but I will confess to uh, the fact that the title was meant to be largely true, but also sort of your attention so it,
1: it captured the it, attention of the harvard business review press which published you like i'm really surprised like harvard's like oh online dating let's publish this
0: <laughs> I, did, was, they all, did they all I was have surprised a good laugh about it when
1: you pitched the book
0: i was surprised too <laughs>
1: and, and did, did, has the book been doing well
0: um, I don't know. I don't see the sales reports to tell you the truth, but uh, it seems to be doing. I've, I've gotten some attention, more attention than I ever would have dreamed of, and um, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't seen the actual numbers, but I think it's doing fine. And but, right, you know, it can always right. I do better. Do so <laughs> I, th-
1: I think you should do a very serious sequel where you borrow. You know, I think it's it's either OK Cupid or Plenty of Fish or both of them, where they freely share the massive ton of data they have about online dating. And so this gives you kind of a data set to play with and really start testing out some more theories and really get into, uh, you know, here's what you should do. Here's exactly what you should do. Here are the words you should put in your profile. People who use these words are 36% more likely to have a date than people who use these words. And really just get into it.
0: That's a, that's a good idea. Now, there's, a problem. there's an inherent problem in what you just said, which is once you tell people these things, it won't be true anymore. So if, there, you know, if it turns out using these words is very successful, and everybody knows that, and they all start using those words, then those words become useless.
1: Okay, I, I, have, yeah. a, I have a story. I used to be um, a day trader. I ran a hedge fund where I, I day traded, and um, uh, I had one technique in particular which worked – I'm going to – I forget the exact numbers. It was about 80 out of the past 81 times that this pattern emerged in the markets. I would make a trade – and it would work 80 out of 81 times. And I showed it to one or two people, people who worked with me. And then I, I wrote about it on a popular website, thestreet.com, which is Jim Cramer's website. I wrote about this technique. And the technique was very simple. If the NASDAQ opened up higher between 04 and 0.6% from the night before, then if you short and cover within the first half hour, you 80 out of 81, the prior 81 times, you made money. And so I, the article, I called it, this is my ATM machine, was this technique. Right. And right after I wrote that article, within minutes, somebody called me, one of my friends who knew the technique called me and said, I can't believe you just wrote that. And right. I'm like, don't worry about it. Nobody reads me, and the market's huge, <laughs> like no one pays attention. I will tell you the technique never worked again.
0: There you go. The market... So, <laughs>
1: But on the other hand, the dating world is so huge, and so few people actually read books, I bet you that won't occur if you wrote the, the sequel to this with very specific techniques. Or at least it'll give you enough cover that the book will sell well for the first year.
0: Maybe. All right. I will, I will. if... Um, That's your task, Paul.
1: You'll come back here in a year, we'll have you on again, and then when the techniques <coughs> stop to work, you can write the sequel.
0: If the if the list if the uh people who run OK Cupid or Plenty of Fish are listening and wanna send me the data, I'm 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 on board for the sequel.
1: No, Paul, you've got you to gotta cut them in. you got to approach them. They have the data. Okay. They're not going to give it to you. you. You approach them and say, look, we, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm picking one dating site. So you, you make it like a sense of urgency. I'm picking one dating site. It's between you and five others. Are you going to share your data or am I going to feature uh, one of these other dating sites? And my book is guaranteed to be a de- bestseller. So one of the dating yeah. sites will give you their data.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad idea.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just full of ideas today. <laughs>
0: This is good. This is good. I like it.
1: So, so Paul, thanks for coming on the show. It's Paul Oyer, everything I ever needed to know about economics I learned from online dating. I, re- I had a really fun time reading the book and talking to you, Paul. And if I ever go online dating again, which I pray to God I never do because it was the worst experience <laughs> in my life, I will certainly use these <laughs> ideas.
0: Well, I'm glad it worked out for you, and thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you soon.
1: For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.